bless you guys. All right. You guys excited? Come on. This is fun. This is good stuff. All right. So I've got 29 minutes and 53 seconds left. How many of you guys think I can do the teaching that amount of time? I do. I really do. Today we're going to be kind of, uh, we're closing out that first third of our three-part series that deals with the stewardship of time we've been talking about, the stewardship of, of resource we've been talking about, and the stewardship of talent. Uh, this coming up in, was it, uh, what is it, September, October, November, heading into the Christmas season. So Kingdom Culture is the name of the series, and you probably remember this. Um, the keyboard's still playing for some reason. Are they getting it? Okay, good. I, I thought, is this like an eerie sermon? Is it... And then suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped out. Good. It's not creepy at all. So we talked about the things, and if you haven't been here, then maybe you don't know what this means. Anybody remember what the golden hour was? What's that all about? We give that to God, right? That's, and this is my life. This doesn't have to be yours, but this is the one that works for me. So we give that first hour to God. I believe if you give God what is right, he blesses what's left. Somebody say amen. I give him what's first, he blesses what's left, what's next. I mean, it's just, it's the way it seems to go. And for me, that first hour is best for my wife. That first hour of the day is not best to be given to the Lord. The best uh, hour for her is like the second or third hour. So she gets up, she goes to the gym, she exercises, she gets bruised and battered and bleeds and has fun, comes back, grabs a gallon of iced tea and goes to her study place and meets with the Lord. So that doesn't have to be your life, but that's my life. So we just use that because let's face it, I am perfect in most ways except for the humility part. There we go. All right. So we talked about that. Secondly, we talked about the blue part. Remember what the blue part is, these six hours over here? It's sleep. It's rest. You got you to gotta relax. Uh, as you read the history of the great revivals and the great revivalists of time, those who don't end well always have one thing in common. They didn't sleep, they didn't eat, and they didn't recreate. They just, it was a revival, revival, revival. They burned out, lost their minds sometimes, terrible. The green 11 hours, remember what the green 11 hours are? That's work, right? So we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to give God our very first, very best. We're going to worship, read the word, meditate. We're going we're to honor God with that hour, whatever expression comes our way. We're going to sleep six, seven hours, whatever you need. We're going to work 11-ish hours a day. And then we're going to have this other section of time we're going to talk about today, and that's recreation. And, and I want you to think of it this way. I, I know we always talk about time management, but maybe, maybe we should change our thinking on that just a little bit. Um, I don't know that you can manage time because whether you're managing or not, here it comes and there it goes. Make sense? So I, I think another way to look at this, maybe it's not time management, but choice management where I choose proactively to spend my time, invest my life, give my strength, whatever it is, that, that all matters in the long run. Now, how many of you guys know if you save half an hour every day, it adds up to quite a bit of time during the course of your lifetime? So managing that time very carefully, managing the choices around that time is crucial. Today we're going to talk about the orange area, which is recreation. So you might say, what, is, what do you mean by recreation? Well, I've got five hours a day in my schedule to recreate. Now, sometimes I get to do it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's a day off and I have a whole day just for Sabbath and rest, and sometimes it's three weeks between those times, and I've got I to do more than just take a nap. I need like three days off to make up. How many of you guys know God will not be mocked? If he says you need a day off, you need a day off. It doesn't work because you're in warfare. It doesn't work because you got a newborn baby. It doesn't work because it's harvest time. Trust me, you still have to recoup that time at some point because it is, it is in the rhythms of your biology, in the rhythms of your mental acuity. It's in the rhythms of your hormones. You have to complement God's rhythms in your life, right? So what is recreation? I think recreation, the best way to understand it is this. It's recreation. It's the time that you give every day for putting back in you what everything else took out of you. Now, you say, well, isn't that what the first hour is for with God? That, yes, God will do wonderful things in your spirit. God will give you challenges. God will correct you. God will rebuke you. God will love you. God will secure you. I mean, in some ways, God will hold you for an hour and just make you feel safe if that's what it takes. But, but beyond that, when I'm working, I'm giving something away. I don't know why it is. 
But when I'm teaching you, if Ron and I were hanging out having coffee, we had a three-hour conversation, at the end of that time, I'd feel great. I mean, you guys know that. But if I got up and preached for three hours, I need a nap. What's the difference? I have no idea, except for maybe it's the anointing, maybe it's my effort, maybe I, I don't know. But I know this. I know that when I'm working, when I'm laboring, when I'm doing what God created me to do, it's taking something out of me. Somebody say amen. It's satisfying, it's wonderful, but it's taking something out of me that has to be recouped. So it's recreation. Another way to think of it is it's enjoying what's been done with the other hours of my day. I, I get to kind of sit back and go, hey, look, look what, you know, my pool is clean. And hey, look at that. I, I had those appointments, and I think that marriage might be saved. And I think that that business decision is going to be blessed. I just kind of sitting back and looking at what's been created through time and saying it is good. Does that make sense? Recreation. The other thing is whatever fills my depleted body, my depleted soul, and my depleted spirit. So let me ask you a question, because some people fight recreation to their own demise. I, I work and I sleep, but that's all the, the Bible allows me to do. There's no, nowhere in the Bible is the word recreation. You're right. But nowhere in the Bible is a lot of really good words. I won't get into some of them because they have to do with husband and wife, but let's just, let's just point out some things, all right? So let me ask you this question. Here we go. When Adam and Eve weren't spending time with God, the golden hour, Tending to their garden, the green stuff, or sleeping, the blue stuff, what were they doing? Now, just think about this. Well, they, they didn't. They, they worked for 22 straight hours. They took a quick nap. They went back because God was right there, and everybody looked, looked busy. Jesus is coming soon. Is that the way they're living their lives? Evidently not. They tend to the garden. They spend time with the Lord. They sleep. We, we doesn't say that, but I mean, there was morning and there was night, and the next day something new happens, and, and they're made out of the same flesh we are. So... What were they doing? I think that's what they were doing. I think they were enjoying. I think they were looking at the garden they just tended. Can we be honest? Mowing the grass isn't the fun part. Looking at the freshly mowed lawn is good. And I looked at my yard, and behold, it was good. Cleaning the pool literally sucks. But seeing a clean pool when you look out the window, that right now is probably 50 degrees, and it's probably closer to ice skating on than swimming in. But still... And it's clean. You go, ah, it is good. Finishing work for the day. That feeling you get when you get in your car, close it, and know it, it's done. Like, and just sitting there for a moment, enjoying, like, man, that was a great day. God did some good things today. We know a lot about work, guys, because our culture values work because it reduces money, and we love that stuff, right? I'm talking about America. We know about sleep because if we don't do it, we die, and, and there's a whole industry getting you to use their mattress, which lifts him up when he's snoring. It's like, you know how he stopped snoring? You woke him up. The dude's head just came up in the middle of the night. He stopped snoring. Well, it's because he woke up, and you're mean for pressing the button. That's why God created CPAPs, and somebody said amen. Amen. Good. So we know a lot about work and rest, but if we don't know about recreation, hear me, it doesn't matter how well you work and how long you rest. There's another part of you that needs to be refreshed. They cannot be refreshed by putting out or by sleeping. There's another part of you that has to be refreshed. Listen, some of you, and you'll get this, some of you won't. When you drive up north, by the time you get north of like Saginaw, you don't need a steering wheel until about West Branch. It's just a straight road. You know what I'm talking about? So you're on that straight road, and nothing's really going on. I don't know why when we go on vacation, about the time we hit Saginaw, Dina goes, I'm just going to close my eyes for a second, and she's out. And I'll listen to the radio for a little bit or listen to a sermon. Some of my best ideas come when I am doing nothing. Understand this. You're, you're mathematicians, and there's, there's calculations you have to get up every day, but you're also artists, and there's things you need to create. There's a part of you that God gave you to enjoy that will die, and you'll suffer for it. Painting a wall is work. Painting a masterpiece is joy. Reading a textbook, most of the time in my experience, 
is work. Writing a children's story for your grandson is pleasure. You know what I'm talking about? My, my granddaughter's just over a month old, and we went on a great adventure the other day. I walked around the house and told her all about, you know, Princess Francine and Princess Charlotte. Princess Charlotte is our bulldog. And they went on a great, they found a little boy that was lost, and he was crying, and through bravery and honor and patience and endurance, they helped the little boy find his family, and he was so happy, and they hugged. I'm telling this dumb story I'm making up, and I'm crying. It's such a good one. Like, this is so Hallmark. <laughs> you know? Can I tell you something? It was wonderful to be with my granddaughter, but that was like, okay, you got to write a report for the district office about church planning and the fundamentals and the key indicators of data. That's work. But when Princess, Princess, when Princess Charlotte and Princess Frances go on a great adventure, it's joy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, they're both stories. They're both words. They're both words. They're both math. You have to have a time where the inner part of you that looks a lot more like Jesus than the outer part of you gets to express itself and gets to be filled, right? We know a lot about work. We know a lot about sleep. But there's another part of you, and you'll burn out if you don't do this well. When it comes to you being the best you that you can be uh, for God, which, which one do you think is the most important, God, work, rest, or enjoyment? What do you think? I think, I think that the common answer, especially in the church, is say, well, God, and I would agree with that. I might know you have God, but you have no rest. Like the spirit is willing, but what happens? The flesh is weak and failure occurs, right? So we would agree that rest has to be there. But how many of us know we're not just here to like, you know, take a nap and pray? There's a certain number of things God gave us. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good what? Good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. So we know that's important. And then we've got this thing called enjoyment that, that is also in there. Now, I, I would say this. If you're in a survival situation, you know, what do you need? Water, food, shelter, fire? And the answer is Yes. In any particular order, maybe shelter's first because you're in the, you know, an icy environment. Maybe fire is first because it's cold and you've got to purify water in the jungle. Whatever it is. I'm just saying this. I think all of these are indispensable. Let me say it again. I think all of these are indispensable. I don't know if you heard me or not. I think all of these are indispensable. But the one that seems to suffer the most is that enjoyment. Can I tell you something? When you pause and enjoy what God has done, when you pause, not just mow the grass and weed away up and then go and take a shower. Like, there's no enjoyment in that. But when you stop and you grab a Starbucks coffee and you sit in that chair that maybe your grandmother, great-grandmother owned, it's got splinters the size of New England just sitting in it. So you don't fidget. You just sit carefully and you look at that lawn and just take a sip off your coffee. And, and as God did over creation, said it's good, something happens in your soul, hear me, that makes you want to do it again. And if you don't take that time, there's something that happens in your soul that says, I work, I work, I work, I work, and there's no pleasure in it. It may take an hour to mow the grass. It takes five minutes to enjoy it. And if you take the five minutes to enjoy it, you'll want to mow the grass again very soon. Does this make any sense? I'm telling you the best works, the best God time, and the best sleep you'll ever have are connected to, are dependent on recreation. So if this is true, we should find this in other areas. Let's, let's take a look in, in creation. As God made it, Garden of Eden, no corruption, no sin. Let's see if it's there. Do we find work? Yeah. God, you know, I'm sorry, do we find God? Yes, God. In the beginning, God, that's Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. God did what? He created the heavens and the earth, and he blessed them. That's his work. So we see in the pattern, the rhythm, we see God work. Do we find rest? And on the seventh day, God rested, and he, and he looked over all that he'd made, and he said what? It is good. This is rhythm. Are you hearing me? Please hear me, because some of you are missing this. You're working as hard as you know how to work, 
or you're sleeping and you don't know why you can't catch up on your rest, your soul is uninspired and dead and you're wondering if God is even with you anymore, sometimes what your soul needs, hear me, just hear me the right way. Please don't get mad at me. It, oh, I want to say this the right way and I'm going to say it the wrong way. Will you just interpret what I'm about to say? Some of you don't need just an hour to pray if pray is nothing more than work. Sometimes you need to sit by a lake and say, you made that? That's really cool. Some of you need to watch a sunset and do nothing and say nothing. Why is it you can stare at a campfire for hours and no one has to speak? Why is it you can stare at the ocean, the desert? Sit at the Grand Canyon at sunset and watch it change a thousand different colors over the course of like 45 minutes. Why, why would anybody? Let's just be clear. It's a big hole. That's all it is. Yeah, but it's a really big hole. It's an incredibly big hole. But it's a big hole. We see big holes. You fly over the Grand Canyon, you go, there's a big hole. But you stand on the rim of the Grand Canyon as it changes a thousand different shades as the sun sets. And you stand there amazed, amazed. And something is happening in your soul. It's called the awe and wonder of the Creator. The awe and wonder of God. As you're watching that sun go down, something inside of you is appreciating the beauty that only God can create. As you're holding your granddaughter in your arms, you're appreciating the beauty that only God can create. As you're looking over the, the, the freshly mowed lawn with the straight lines. Not, not when your kid does it. This lawn mowing brought to you by the letter S. Like we, you know, but when it's straight, you just sit back and go, oh, it is good. Something happens, right? So do we see this in God's creation? Come on, do we see this in God's creation? This is a rhythm that God, that God himself was, is in. This is a rhythm that he put us and created us to be in. What about in your family? Well, if God didn't put it together, you're, you're in big trouble, right? So God does it. There's work involved. Somebody say amen. There's rest in there, sure, and there's enjoyment. If you're always working for your family, working for your family, got to work overtime, got to work overtime. Like I've, I've sat by 150, 200, 300 people as they died. Not one person said, oh, their last words were, should have had more overtime. <laughs> Never. You know what they say? They regret that they didn't spend more time on what we're talking about today because they were working for someday and the someday never came. They worked really hard so they go to Disney. When they got to Disney, they were so tired they didn't enjoy it. They didn't have enough money to enjoy it. They didn't have enough time to enjoy it. They had three days. We'll see Disney. All right, Epcot Center. First thing at Epcot Center. Like, it feels like, how many of you guys have been on vacation with somebody that never stopped working? Right? That's where you say, hey, come here, try this. What is it? It's called NyQuil. Just enjoy. <laughs> no, no, keep going. Until the whole bottle's gone. There you go. Okay, good. Right? Business. I mean, God inspires the idea, God gives us strength, and we work. We better rest or we're not going to make it. And then if you're not enjoying what's coming out of business, same thing with the Great Commission. God says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. There's our work. Uh, baptizing the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that, that I have commanded you. And behold, I'll be with you always. There's our rest to the end of the age. There's our enjoyment. We, we see the same pattern. Are you seeing this? In salvation, God saves us. We see God in that, the mercy of God. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Others, we don't take this lightly. Well, I can raise my hand. I think everything's cool. Like, we, we study. We know our faith has to grow because the only thing God wants from you is your, I'm sorry, the only thing the devil wants to take from you is what God's given to you, which is faith, right? So you got, you got to work in, in the sense, not working for your salvation, but working from your salvation so that you can rest, so that you can enjoy. How many of you guys ever just said, God forgave me? That settles it. Whew. Now you can look at a freshly mowed lawn or hear a baby cry or go for a walk. So what, what is there to enjoy then? I've got 14 minutes and 33 seconds. Let me give you a couple things. You can enjoy anything you want. I've told you about my Bible blanket, bulldog, and black coffee time. I enjoy that. I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning 
and strongly considered just, just doing it for an extra hour because I enjoy it so much. We went to bed early last night, like 10, 15, we were out. So my whole rhythm that I had is off. So I wake up at 5 o'clock, like, doing. If I do this, you know, she was really tired. That's why we went to sleep. I was like, I'm, not, I'm just going to stare at the ceiling. And I did for like four minutes, and then I was out. I can fall asleep in the middle of a freeway. It's a beautiful thing, you know. Not, I mean, in the car, out of the car, it doesn't matter. I, I can fall asleep. Drive in the car, it doesn't matter. So what are some things that God gave us to recreate us? Be careful what recreates you. Let me just say, it's not in my notes, let me say this. If your idea of relaxing and recreation, recreating you, and forgive me, I know I say this every week, but it's just on my heart. If when you're tired and you're hungry and you're done and you're spent, if you turn on the television set, it will fill you with what its message is. And if his message is frustration over politics, you will be filled with the frustration of politics. If it's filled with the lust, if it's filled with the violence, if it's filled with the greed, if it's filled with the, you know, I, I, and I know sometimes well, then why turn it on if there's nothing good on I think there are good things on, but I think most of what's on television is probably tickling a bone that we should have had removed anyway. Yeah, it was a mellow amen. But I, you know what I'm saying? And by the way, my TV's on a lot. Sometimes I watch like worship videos and I, you know, look at pictures. But I mean, sometimes I watch MASH reruns because I think Radar's funny and Hawkeye's needs to get saved. I'm still praying for him. We'll move on, you know. So what can we enjoy? I think the first thing we should enjoy is God. Like, I don't know if you know this or not, and this is going to be really strange if you're raised with like a strict religious background. God created you to enjoy him, not just obey him. Matter of fact, I would say this, the best obedience will come out of your enjoyment, not your best enjoyment out of your obedience. When I enjoy the Lord, I become like him, and so I'm not tempted by things. I'm not hungry in places where he's filled me, so I'm not vulnerable in those places. Does that make sense? If I'm lonely and I just want someone to hold my hand, I just, there's nobody, God, and somebody walks by, hey, will you be my friend? Hey, will you be my lover? Hey, will you be my partner? Hey, will you, listen. If Jesus is all of those things and somebody walks by and if they're not the right person for me, I say, have a nice day. If they are the right person for me, I get to stop and say, will you marry me? Does this make sense? If Jesus is your everything, then there is nothing in you vulnerable to the temptations of the devil. So I would say this, delight yourself in the Lord. And then what happens? He gives you the desires of your heart. You know why? Because it isn't really your heart anymore. It's his. When you delight yourself in the Lord, you become like him. You want what he wants. The best righteousness, hear me, the best righteousness comes out of your delight, not out of your obedience. Obedience is important. There will be a time to sacrifice. But would you rather have somebody, you know, clean your room? I don't want to. Clean your room. I don't want to. Clean okay, I'll do it only because you're my mother and I love you. Like, I'll take that. I mean, if I was over here, I don't want to clean my room. I know you don't. But you're going to be obedient because your mother asked you to and I'll kill you. Or because you love her. Because you love her. That's a better way to say it. I guess there is the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord, right? So, so God, God created us for that. Look at some scriptures here. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I lack nothing. Who makes him lie down? He does. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Who does it? He leads me beside quiet waters. Who does the refreshing of my soul? How many of you know God wants to refresh your soul? No, no, God's all about the sacrifice, living sacrifice, crucified every day. I, yes, but, but understand, you're crucified to be resurrected, you die to certain things so you can live to Christ. So it isn't all the cross. The, the cross's only purpose is to provide the necessary circumstances for resurrection. You dying daily is, is, is part of the equation that he can resurrect daily and bless you with things that only dead people get to enjoy. People that are not alive to this world anymore but alive to Christ. That makes sense to you or no? Three of you. That's really encouraging. Thanks, guys. 
Look at Acts 3.19. This is um, talking about an Old Testament scripture, but he's quoting. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from where? Fox News. Oops. MSNBC. Whoops. The latest conspiracy theories about whether or not there's UFOs. Come on. How many of you know if we got recreation time, we should probably use it to become better people, not more narcissistic or paranoid or divided? Like if this country could use anything, it'd be something to unite around. 9-11. The church has doubled in attendance the Sunday after 9-11. Why? Because we were under attack and we were scared and we needed God. We united around that. Didn't matter who was standing on the rubble saying, I hear you, the world hears you, and the people that did this, they're going to hear from you soon. It didn't matter that Obama was president when he ordered the raid on bin Laden's compound. We united around the fact that terrorism is evil and we need to do something about it, that we're going to rebuild this nation. We will not be a victim to the terrorisms of this world. You know what I'm talking about? So it didn't matter if it was George Bush on the rubble or Barack Obama as commander-in-chief in the Situation Room. Are you hearing this? And let me tell you something. God's going to unite our nation one way or the other. If, if the world needs anything, it's people saying, hey, turn that off. I don't want to hear about the desert. Well, are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Are you independent? Are you all natural, leaf-licking, toad-kissing? No, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and what comes out of your radio is death. And when, it comes, when death comes into my friend's ear, I want to cut it off just like poison in an IV. Let's talk about life. What sort of things are pure and noble and excellent and praiseworthy? If there be any virtue, any. Let's talk about such things. Let's think about such things because when we think about them, they become who we are, and the world doesn't need more divided Christians. Uh, I could go on and on, but I don't have the time. All right, last scripture. I'll refresh tired bodies. I'll restore those who turn off their TV set. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 25. Um, you know, that's not the only way that God can refresh you, though, and I think that's really important in our times. Don't, don't do your prayer list for an hour like, like you're, you're punching, a, like you're mowing the grass. Like, you're, like, literally, enjoy the Lord for an hour. That's what I'm talking about, an hour. Enjoy the Lord. Talk to him. Ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's all in that time. It isn't just a methodical to-do list, a laundry list. It isn't, we're not talking to Santa. We're talking to the lover of our souls, and he wants to get to know us. We want to get to know him. You can sit in silence for an hour watching the sunrise and be closer to God than the person that prayed over and over and over and again the same prayer. See him. Feel him. Touch him, know him. That's what that time's for, right? But there's other ways beyond that that God's given us to refresh our soul. People. This is one of my favorites. I actually like people. I mean, I, I, really, I really enjoy them. Sometimes, true or false, babe, we'll go to an airport just to hang out with people we don't know. Like, do we want to go to walk the mall? Do we want to? Let's go to the airport. I mean, we're flying that day. It isn't like we just go to the airport. I, I don't think that. When we're traveling, it's like, do we want to go? The other day, we're in Oklahoma City. It's like, well, it's two hours before we need to be there. Let's just go to the airport. We go and we find a place. We settle in. We read. We talk. And I meet the person next to me. And then there's a lady with the, the therapy dog that is, has no more to do with therapy. She just wants her dog to fly for free in first class. <laughs> Put it underneath my seat so we can bark all the way to Italy. True story. And I won't tell it now because I'm talking about enjoying people. Guys, I kid you not, when I'm really low, and my, my friends will tell you this, when I'm really low and I don't want to be around people, I go to the hospital. Not, not to check myself in, but to sit in the emergency room at times, to visit people that are in the hospital. Because I don't know why, but just being there, like I'm empty, but I find someone who's like empty. And I just talk to him and hang out. I had never left the hospital discouraged, not even when somebody passed away. I always walk away having engaged that part of Jesus that shows up. When, when people need comfort and people need faith and people need strength. I love that. I love hospitals. I love nursing homes. 
the smell, not so great. But, but being, I remember, I, some of my greatest memories of being trained for ministry was in nursing homes. I had these three elderly gals. I used to come old ladies. They said old ladies don't like to be called old ladies, so the elderly gals. And uh, I stole some, I'm sorry, I borrowed somebody's puppy from outside their little travel trailer where they lived. It's really hot. I unhooked this little coyote-looking flea-bitten dog, and I, and I, I snuck him into the nursing home. <laughs> and and I, I said, hey, I got something for you. And I came around the corner, and you'd have thought they just won the lottery. Oh, my God. The, there's tears, little arthritic fingers in the dog's face. And the dog was happy. They were happy. He was crying about something. I put him on the floor to run around. He squatted and peed. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. They said, sweetheart, we all do that around here. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> and I used to go on dates. I would take my dates to the nursing home I, because I just, I love these people. And, and the elderly gals would size her up. Oh, Jimmy, she's a tramp. Run for your life. Yeah, she'll ruin your ministry. She's a terrible person. She's just putting on airs for you. We know. We used to do the same thing. You know, that kind of, they were, I preached sermons. Here's my sermon that I wrote on the way here, and I had no notes because I'm supposed to look, I'm going to inspire, but I'm just unprepared. And they say, Jimmy, come here, come here. That was a wonderful message. But you and I both know you didn't prepare for that, and we deserve your best, so do it better next week. Like, oh, you can see through that? Oh, I can see the back collar on your shirt. I can see straight through you, kid. I mean, guys, like, people are awesome. I mean, some people are snakes, but most people... <laughs> Right? Most people are awesome. Um, I like people that have great dreams. Like if I'm kind of feeling discouraged in my own dreams, I find people that have great dreams. I, as the church planning director for the Michigan district, I get around these 20-somethings or sometimes 40-something, 50-somethings. So what's your dream? And they just go, brrr, brrr. like I like most Christians, but I love all believers. People of faith, like get around people. They're so refreshing to be around. I walk in like, you know, oh, man, i got so much on my plate. And I, I'm surrounded in a room full of church planners. By the time I leave, I'm like, we can just kill the devil in his sleep. Let's go do it right now, you know. Uh, and honestly, guys, you. I don't, I don't know if it's just a divine grace or you're just super people, but I like you. Like, one of my great joys, I, my, my grandson, I love my grandson, and it's kind of becoming a tradition for me to put him in the, in the nursery. He, I put him down, he runs to the nursery. Like, he, he came to me, they're like, oh, hey, buddy. He's like, mm. I mean, it's like kids want to steer you like a horse. They kick you in the ribs, and they're like, oh, nah, nah. where are we going? Put him down, just runs right into the nursery. How many guys know you got a good church nursery when, when kids run into it, and they don't scream? They cry when they come out. Not when they go in. That's, that's a blessing, right? The Stokes do a great job back there. But it's like, and I'm in there, I'm on the floor, I'm playing. I'm like, I, I literally, I, Hollis, I have to go. Bapa, he calls me Bapa. Bapa's got to go because there's like 100 friends I need to talk to. Like I, someday when I no longer have to do this or I no longer get to do this or this is no longer part of what God's called me to do, I promise you what I will do is stand at the door and I'll have butterscotch candies in my pockets. And the kids will know if they come up to me, they get a candy. We're not going to ask mom. We're not going to ask dad. We're not going to ask grandma and grandpa. We're not going to ask, is you're allergic to anything? Just eat it. And they're going to, and hugs and hugs. I'm going to be Mr. Mrs. Mossman. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the, 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 the candy man. You know what I mean? And just greet people. And I'll probably miss most of worship. I'll probably miss most of the sermon. I hate to say that because I love worship and I'm the preacher. So don't take this as an example of how to live. I'm just saying, I want to be with you. I like you. I enjoy you. And, and you say, well, you know, is there any scripture for that? Yeah, look at this, Psalms 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. 
It's like, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. He was the priest, so this is anointing oil. Down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon, whoever he is, it's just a weird scripture, but it's a mountain outside Israel. It's the highest point. It's if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his what? And even life evermore. I feel alive when I'm with God's people. I like being here. Someone said, are you preaching today? It's like, I don't miss a Sunday between now and the end of the year. I'm here preaching every Sunday. Can you do that? I'm like, I work one day a week. Give me a break. It's going to be fine. You know. Who said amen? It's not a deacon. So listen, go to dinner. Um, enjoy food. Uh, join a group. 60% of the people now at, at, at Freedom Center Church are part of a small group. That's a beautiful statistic. That's wonderful, right? Find a need and fill it. Rake the neighbor lady's yard and let her bake cookies for you, Right? Um, stop. I was at Starbucks the other day. I stopped, and there's a lady with a therapy dog. I just know, oh, is it, it's, there's a certain number of letters. I mean, no, it's, a, it's not a therapy dog, but it's an emotional support animal, ESA. I, when you see that, what it means, it, it can mean an emotional support animal. Sometimes it just means I like my dog a lot, and I want to take him into restaurants. And I'm not judging anybody. My parents do this with their dog. He's a licensed ESA. I'm like, what sort of support do you need? That we don't. He has terrible anxiety when we leave him in a car, and he eats our car. So you are his emotional support animals. And there's a cure for it. Drink your NyQuil, sweetie. There you go. Good. This juice box tastes funny. Just drink it. You're fine, right? But I, I, I mean, go for a walk with a dreamer. Go to a hospital. Go to a nursing home. Um, sit and watch a sunset. But I'm telling you, listen to me. When you do it with people, it's better than doing it by yourself. A good meal alone is just a bad story you tell later. A good movie you watch in the theater alone, like who do you elbow and say, hey, look, there's Mrs. Mossman. You know, we found that in most comedies, Mrs. Mossman is in the film somewhere now. I'll explain that later, Pat, but it's really funny. It's ironic. It's such a character, you know. But just do it. And one of the things I love about good friends, how many guys know this? You don't need a plan. You just need time. You just need God, time, people, and you got a party. And whether it's a pool, a fire, a meal, a cause, it's just fun. I've been in some pretty awful situations with some pretty wonderful people and had a great time. That's the power of people. The last thing is this. It's just activity. And you say, well, activity, like, like what? I don't know. Like we talk about loving God, loving people, loving to serve. You guys didn't know I was counting you with a GPS sermon, did you? But there it was, right? What would you do? I, I'd say this. Anything that creates the time and space to enjoy God and people. What was that, what's the best activity? Well, you know, the stock brokering. I, I don't know. For everybody, I think it's going to be different. For some, it's painting a house. For some, it's painting a portrait. For some, it's painting a mural. For some, it's like not painting because you're a painter. But, but whatever it is, like anything that creates the time and space to enjoy God and people. Like Jesus, he'd like to pray a lot, didn't he? Like he gave up sleep because it was better for him to pray than it, than it was to sleep. And I said, well, no, that's the discipline of the Lord. And we should all strive for that. Hear me. I, I don't I think I could debate that, but I, I would just give a counterpoint. I think Jesus spent time with his father because he wanted to, not because he had to or he'd be in trouble. That makes sense. I think that's the best reason for us to spend time with God because we really desire that. Um, David wrote music. He sat out with the sheep. Bring, Lord, I want to be just like you. And the sheep were like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> right? It was recreation. Israel. Now you might, you see the word tithe. Everybody puckers up. Oh, tithe! Think tithe. Listen. Did you know that one of the three tithes mentioned in Scripture was a feast? Take a tenth of everything, bring it before the Lord in his presence or right outside the temple. Invite the alien, the stranger, the widow, and the orphan to your table, and everybody just eat. 
barbecue. <laughs> yeah, the Levites were some of the first to roast meat. I'm just saying, God invented barbecue. Pastor Carl's going to say amen wherever he is in the building. Oh, I see your hand up. Good. Come on. Anyway, I can see it. Um, everyone back in that day went for a walk, rode a horse, or went signaling because that was the only way to get from A to B, right? And, and I, I just bring this last thing up, and I'm not saying it's evil, but just be careful. No one went into their imaginary worlds like Facebook movies and TV shows. Right? They, they just they lived in a real world with real people and did real things. I enjoy my friends a lot more when we're fishing than when we're watching a movie. It's just the way it is. I enjoy the presence of the Lord when I'm watching a sunset than when I'm, you know, in the middle of a committee meeting. I, I, just, I just want you to know something, guys. This whole thing is important. There's nothing on those 24 hours that is in your, your grasp that isn't vital to the ongoing you being you. Let me just ask you this. If we give up our times of prayer, what will happen? Our times of worship, our times of being a God, what would you expect to happen over time? If you're careless with it. What, what about if you're careless with sleep? What would you expect to happen over a course of, of weeks or months? What would you expect to happen? I, something would break, right? What if you decided, I don't want to work, you know, 11 hours, 8 hours. I, I just want to pray and want to sleep and want to pray. If, listen, the man who doesn't work, the Bible says, also is not going to eat. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm just I'm so spiritual. Then, then you better hope that manna falls from heaven because you're not coming into my pockets to get food if you don't have a job. If you don't want a job, you're not trying to get a job. If you're not a worker, if you're not serving, if you're not, I just want everybody to bring it to me on a tray and feed it to me and chew it up and spit it in my mouth. Forget it. I mean, it's just gross anyway, right? So if we're careless with our work, with our God time, with our rest time, there's this other pretty large section of time. If we're careless with that, what do you think will happen? If you're careless with your recreational time, what do you think is going to happen? Stand your feet, please. It says I'm now 13 seconds over my time. I forgot about the, the number three in front of the 13 seconds. That's the last thing I'm going to say to you about time. Don't be careless with it. Good men, they can read books in half an hour. Great men can write books during their half hours. Good marriages can spend a half hour Great marriages invest a half hour. Good ministry can happen, but great ministry happens when we do it on purpose. From full souls, from rested bodies, from proactive lives, what can we do to bring the kingdom of God to earth? Sometimes we pray for miracles, not because we should have needed them, but because of an imbalance, we do need them now. I'm just here to tell you, I don't know that that's the magical system, that, that, uh, that chart of, of how to spend days, and so I don't know if that's the magic, like do all of that, and I'm just knowing this, somewhere there's one that belongs to you, that's the rhythm God created you to live in. Some people need less sleep, that's great. Some people need more sleep. <laughs> that's great too. So don't be anything but the you that God created you to be, but just, just do this as we close today. I, I know this, the God who loves you expresses his love and his trust in you by giving you the same amount of time that he gave his prophets the same amount of time in a day that he gave his kings, the same amount of time that he gave in a day to his son. And in the same way, we are responsible in a good way. It's an opportunity. It's, a, it's, a, it's an ability to invest. It's, it's something that's great. Like, like, please, if you're not sleeping enough, sleep more. If you're not working enough, work more. If you're not spending time with God, dear God, what are you doing? Like, be careful of that. If you're not going to become like him, who will you become like? Right? And if you're not sitting back and looking at the straight lines in the grass, saying it is good. 
And I looked and I saw what my hands had done and I said, it is good. You're missing out on the blessings that come from work and rest and time with the Lord. Close your eyes. Father, I pray all over this room that you would help us. You said over and over again, repent. Change the course. Change your mind. Change the direction. Whether it's a three-degree change or a 180-degree change, change it. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is not in the direction you're currently walking. But you said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When we change our position, we change our direction, we change our focus, we change our priorities, we don't manage time, we, we manage choices, and we make them out of concrete and steel so they're not easily moved, then, then we will find that the kingdom of heaven is just one step away. Like, if you reach out your hand, you, you touch it, you'd be able to grab it. The kingdom, listen to me, church, the kingdom of heaven, God says, is at hand. It's at hand. It's right in front of you. Now, whether you turn and whether you reach is up to you. This is true of time management, true of choice management, but it's also true of other areas far more important than that. We had kind of a word today that someone would be watching on live stream that, that would need the Lord, and I, I want to take just an extra 30 seconds before we close today to say this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of a virgin, came into this just as we came into this, took on the flesh just like we have flesh. He, uh, he was faced and tempted with everything that we've been faced and tempted with. The only difference between his life and ours is every place we fell, he did not. And here's another thing that makes it different. 33 years into his life, he allowed himself to be used as a blood offering for the sins of mankind. Jesus is not guilty of any sin. Those who executed him did not execute him for any crime. History says that. The Bible says that. There, there's nothing anywhere that says Jesus is worthy of a capital offense. Now, he didn't murder anybody, didn't lie to his soul, always told the truth, was full of love, blessed kids, healed lepers. Nothing he did had any, not just badness, but not even an ounce of imperfection in it. But what I've done my entire life is to ignore the laws of God so often, break his heart, break his laws. A righteous God has to draw a line. And when I willingly cross that line, I, I cross a line away from him, on the other side of him. Now what God loves, that is me, is filled with what God hates, that is sin. And how does God judge what he hates without destroying what he loves? The answer is this. Jesus takes on flesh and dwells among us and defeats everything that defeated us. And he dies in my place. And he ransoms me. He, he redeems me. He buys me back out of slavery. And the day that I trusted that he was enough, that he'd done enough, that he'd said enough, that he loves enough, that was the day my sins were forgiven. And if you're online right now or you're in this room and you're like, you know what, I, I haven't crossed that line back to a forgiving God. I, I believe in God. I just don't know that I believe that he believes in me. He gave you the same 24 hours he gave his son. You're here right now, and it's not an accident. You're hearing my voice right now in Japan, in Russia, in Fenton. It's not an accident. Too many coincidences add up until suddenly you see fingerprints left by a loving God who's putting his hand on you today. It's your choice, but if I were you, I'd turn towards him and say, I'm sorry, and I take you up on that offer to forgive me. I, I give you my sins, I give you my life, I give you my death, I give you my failures. Everything that I am not, that you are, I just, I just pray, take it away. If blood can cleanse sin, then I accept that blood shed by the Son of God for me now takes away my sins. 
Say it in your own way, in your own heart. Heads about, eyes are closed. You're watching online. You're listening on a podcast. And the year is 2025. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Here, now, this is not an accident. God is speaking. I believe he's speaking to you. And now it's your turn. You got to say yes when someone proposes. You got to put a ring on when someone proposes. You have to, or it's not a marriage. It's not a covenant. He has assumed the most humble position. He has presented you a gift that represents your value to him. And now he asks, will you be mine? Your answer is the difference between heaven and hell, living and dying. Here and now, do you accept Jesus and his offer of covenant relationship? If so, say, I will. Father, I pray that you give us good decisions in the weeks to come. Little habits become big, fruitful things. So I just pray for little habits, good, good adjustments, commitments, not goals, commitments. I'm committed to, not I have the goal of. I'm committed to living in this rhythm day after day after day with you. And I pray that you would bless the usage of this time because in the end, we will give an account for it. And, and I want that to be a great moment, not a sorrowful one. So God, for my friends, I pray, bless them to be blessed and to be a blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Altar workers are coming forward. Do you prayer for anything at all? I trust these people. Remember the next steps class. Go get your kids if you got them in about five minutes.